Philippians 2.5 says we are to have the same attitude as Jesus when it comes to humility. What was that attitude exactly? And what does it look like for you to adopt it? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. Notice the first word in verse 9 is therefore. That's very important. Therefore, God exalted him in the highest place. Because of what Jesus did in verses 6 to 8, God exalted him to the highest place. Well, what did Jesus do in verses 6 to 8? He humbled himself. He brought himself low. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Taking the very form of a slave, being found in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. He just kept going down. He started out high, equal with God, came all the way down, lowered himself. He was the supreme being, and he lowered himself all the way down to being a slave and dying, being crucified. That happened, that that lowering happened 2,000 years ago. So he's eternal God in heaven for all of eternity past, all the glory, everything. And then 2,000 years ago, he became a man. He was still the supreme being, but at that point, you couldn't tell by looking at him. Again, he, he, looked, he just looked like a lowly slave. It's all he looked like, like a regular man. And instead of being in charge and ruling everything and having everyone obey him, he became obedient, even to the point of death. And it was the most humiliating, disgusting, obscene kind of death. And so Jesus went from the absolute highest, absolute lowest. And all of that is given as an example for us to follow. And here's the, here's the, the how we're fitting into the Philippians here. In verses 3 and 4, he tells us to be humble towards each other. Remember that? Um, we're supposed to just have these humble attitudes and put others first and not be selfish and all that. That's verses 3 and 4. That's the command. And then everything else is an example. So verse 5, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, and then it describes how he did that, how he humbled himself. So all of this is an example for us to imitate. Okay? Starting in verse 5, it's an example for us to imitate. And that makes perfect sense right up through verse 8. But what about verses 9 to 11? And this is something that just really I struggled with this, this last few weeks. If the purpose is for us to imitate Jesus' attitude, this is what it says in verse 5, your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus. If that's the purpose, then why do we need verses 9 to 11? Because... His attitude is described in amazing ways in verses 5 to 8. But then starting in verse 9, there's nothing about his attitude. It doesn't, verses 9 to 11 doesn't say anything about Jesus' attitude. He doesn't do anything. Jesus is acting all the way through verse 8. But after verse 8, Jesus does nothing. God is the subject. God the Father is doing everything. It just talks about what God the Father did to exalt Jesus. So why include that section? I mean, it's a beautiful section, right? Verses 9 to 11 is fantastic. We love it. We love it. But why here? How does it fit here in a section that's supposed to be for our example uh, to follow an example of humility? Here's why. Verses 9 to 11 are included here because it's essential that we understand the outcome of humility. What the outcome of humility always is. The outcome of humbling yourself is always, always, always being lifted up by God. Exaltation. 
Look at the first word again in verse 9. Therefore, not however. See, we, might, we would normally expect it to be however. See, so you, you, you'd expect to say some kind of adversative, you know, like but or what. He humbled himself, became obedient, even the point of death, but God exalted him. Or however, God exalted him. It's not an adversative. It's therefore God exalted him. It's an inferential connection. So, so, the, so the Bible says so many times that God always lifts up the humble and he always brings down the proud. It says that so many times in the Bible that it's just an absolute axiom. So much so that it calls for the word therefore here. Jesus humbled himself therefore, of course, he was exalted. Obviously, he would be exalted because he humbled himself. That's the point. It is an inevitable outcome because God lifting up those who humble themselves is an inexorable law that operates without variance or exception. It's it's guaranteed. God will always, always take you in the opposite direction that you take yourself. If you try to lift yourself up, God will bring you down. And if you lower yourself down, God will lift you up and there is no exception. Now, there isn't even close to enough time this morning for me to show you all the places in the Bible that say this, that, that God always does this. It's so, you pretty much, all you have to do is just let your Bible just flop open and you'll see it. It's everywhere. And in the places where it's not stated explicitly, it's, it's probably illustrated in some Bible story. Uh, you just pick about it, just, just about any story you want. Adam and Eve, they want to be like God. God uh, brought them low. Pharaoh, Goliath, Nebuchadnezzar, Herod, they all exalt themselves. God slammed them down. But what did God do with the lowly again and again? He lifted up people like Moses or Gideon or David or the apostles or Jesus' mother, Mary. The higher you lift yourself up, the lower he will bring you. The the lower you stoop, the higher God will lift you up. Jesus went to the absolute lowest and therefore he was exalted to the highest place. So verses 9 to 11 are just as much for our example to follow as verses 6 to 8. This is for our example. We will be exalted. Now, you might hear that and think, I don't even know if I want to be exalted. I mean, uh, I'm not really interested in that. I don't want want anybody to pin a medal on my chest or put my name in lights. I'm not into that kind of thing. Well, maybe you don't want those forms of exaltation, but everyone wants to be lifted up in some way. All of us. That's why we're selfish. <laughs> that's what we're doing. Every single time I'm selfish, that's me exalting myself. That's me lifting myself up. That's what's, that's what's happening. Every time I put my preferences ahead of your preferences, every time I put regard my opinion as more important than your opinion, that's me exalting myself. Every time I get angry because somebody slighted me or somebody insulted me or somebody inconvenienced me, that's my proud heart reacting against being brought low. It's like, no, no, I don't want to be low. We all desire to be lifted up. And there's actually nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. We all desire. Don't you want someday to hear God say to you, well done, good and faithful servant, instead of you wicked, lazy servant, Right? That's a desire to be lifted up and not lowered down. That's evidence that you want to be lifted up. Did you, do you ever pray and ask God to lift you out of trouble? 
Like you get down in the bottom of some pit somewhere. He's like, God, help me, lift me out of this. That's a desire to be lifted up out of trouble by God. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God commands us to do that. Where we go wrong is when we try to lift ourselves up or lift ourselves up over other people rather than letting God do it. And here's where this gets really practical. This is where we can answer our third question. What does this have to do with me? Why is it that I find it so hard to let go of my pride? It's because I don't trust God to lift me up. That's why we find it hard to let go of pride, because we don't trust God to lift us up, so we think we have to lift ourselves up. You get into a heated argument with somebody, and uh, it gets kind of you know hot, and, 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 and now you've both said things that you that weren't honoring to God, and you've kind of, you both sinned and, and everything. And now, now, the only question is this, who's going to be the first one to humble himself? Who's going to be the first just to say, I'm sorry, I was out of line. I mean, your conscience, your conscience rises up, right? You, you, as soon as you realize, man, I've been sinful now in my attitude, in my speech, then your conscience comes up and it says, you should confess, you should back off, you should humble yourself, ask the person to forgive you, and all that. Uh, and but, but as soon as before your conscience is even done saying that, immediately your flesh, everything in your flesh rises up, like, but, 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 you know, but, 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 what he said is even worse than what I said. If, if I back down now, he's just going to gloat. I can't do it. I can't. He needs to understand. He can't treat me that way. Or sometimes it's just plain. We don't even have an excuse. It's just plain. I don't want to. <laughs> Conscience says you need to. You need to apologize. You need to humble yourself. Like, uh, I know I should be the first one to apologize. I just don't want to. I'm angry right now at that person. I don't want to show him any kindness. I don't. I just. I don't want to. All of that is just self-exaltation. That's those are just different expressions of self-exaltation. That's what it is. And we're never going to be able to change that behavior until we really believe that if we humble ourselves, God really will. Guaranteed, every time, 100%, He will lift us up. He will grant us a far better kind of exaltation than the one we're trying to go for, the, the thing we're fighting for. He'll do it. We need to believe that absolutely will happen like, like day follows night, just automatic. We need to understand this, therefore, in Philippians 2. And we also need to believe that just as certainly... If we keep exalting ourselves, he will bring us down. And that's just as certain. That happens as night follows day. And, and whatever we think we're going to get from lifting ourselves up and, and, you know, fighting this thing and, you know, staying on top and everything else, uh, it's not going to be worth it. It's not going to be worth it. The last thing you ever want to happen to you is for the Lord to bring you down. You do not want that to happen. What God did with Jesus in verses 9 to 11 is an illustration. Of, it's basically just the exact same thing that God said he was going to do at the end of chapter 1. Go back to chapter 1, uh, verse 28. He says, um, without being frightened, he, he doesn't want us to be afraid. He says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed and that you will be saved. And that by God. God will do both. He'll destroy them, he'll save you. Now, how does that work? How does God destroy them? Here's how it works. 
They lift themselves up and he slams them down. That's how, that's how it works. That's how he destroys them. And how does he save us? Here's how it works. We put ourselves, we lower ourselves down and he lifts us up. That's how he saves us. This is how it works. how salvation works. So, this is very practical in daily life application. A hundred times a day we're tempted to lift ourselves up. And so a hundred times a day we need to be reminded of this principle. The whole world is upside down. And we just forget. We're living in an upside down world. It's like, I've said before, it's like we're in one of those snow globes. You know those shaker things? And right now it's upside down. But nobody knows it. We're the only ones that know. So everybody in the shaker, they, they think they're, they're scrambling and scrambling to try to get up, but, but they, they don't know. Uh, that, that they're going the wrong, they don't know it's upside down. So while the whole world scratches and kicks and claws and fights and steps over each other to, you know, to get higher on the ladder, higher on the ladder, God just taps on the thing, you know, in, in His Word and He like, says to us, Psst, uh, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> Up is the other way. And we need to learn that. There's no more practical, relevant principle for daily life that you could ever have because this affects everything you do. It affects how you feel, what you think. It affects everything. Our natural impulse is always self-promotion over humility. It's it's never humility. It's always self-promotion. And so, it's, so life is hard for us to get the hang of this. Have you ever played one of those games where the controller um, does the opposite uh, of, of what you're doing? So, so if you move right, it goes left, and, and if you go up, it goes down, and you've got to try to go backwards. You ever had one of those? I've never been able to get the hang of one of those things. But that's kind of the situation we're in. That's what life is like. We're faced with that because the whole world is upside down. Can you think of any examples from the past 24 hours when you did something to exalt yourself or to lift yourself up? Something you said or did that was motivated by a desire to cause people to be impressed with you or to think well of you? Or you felt bad because someone didn't think more highly of you? It might have happened at work or at church or while you were standing in front of a mirror consumed with thoughts about how you look. Give some thought to what humility would look like in situations like that. What would it look like for you to set aside that motive of self-exaltation and seeking earthly greatness, and instead to humble yourself and focus on how you can be a servant, how you can lift others up? Father, I'm so used to lifting myself up that Sure, most of the time, I don't even realize that's what I'm doing. Would you please open my eyes today to see it? Make me alert to each time I'm doing it in subtle ways. Awaken my conscience to react when I lift myself up so I can remember this and shift my thinking to how I could lift others up and serve them and to lift you up and cause people to be impressed with you instead of me. I want to do that because I believe your word when you say over and over and over that you exalt the humble, but you bring down those who lift themselves up. There's six things you hate, seven that are detestable to you, and number one in the list is haughty eyes. 
Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, which are the lamp of the wicked, are sin. You mock proud mockers. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share the plunder with the proud. Though you are on high, you look upon the lowly, but the proud you know from afar. You tear down the proud man's house. You detest all the proud in heart. They will not go unpunished. You have a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for all that is exalted, and they will be humbled. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. But you keep the widow's boundaries intact, the lowly you set on high. You choose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. You chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that I may not boast before you. Though you are on high, you look upon the lowly, but the proud you know from afar. You sustain the humble. You guide the humble in what is right and teach us your way. You give grace to the humble. You take delight in your people. You crown the humble with salvation. The humble will rejoice in you. You live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. The lowly will be exalted and the exalted will be brought low. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.